Ladies and gentlemen, Jean-Michel Glachand, Director of Foreign School. I am today in Medellin, Colombia, in Latin America. And I am with uh, Peter Antley, the, the president of IAEE, the International Association for Energy Economics. Peter is a specialist of gas, and of course, I would like to know from him what Europeans should remind regarding U.S. shell gas revolution. Yes, so uh, you, you were interested in how the uh, U.S. shale gas revolution may translate to other countries? Yeah. And so we, we've been doing a lot of work on that um, at uh, Rice University in, in Houston, where I'm a professor of uh, economics. Um, we've been studying very closely the, uh, the shale deposits uh, in North America and have been looking at uh, the different geological characteristics of the shale uh, gas deposits and I've uh, been studying uh, all the uh, costs involved in exploiting those deposits and relating them back to uh, the geological parameters. And uh, based on all that research, and, and we've actually also uh, been studying uh, a lot of the performance of the wells. So, uh, for example, in the state of Texas, uh, we've, we've gotten data on every single shale gas well that's been drilled and uh, been looking at the performance of those wells, uh, how different it is from conventional gas and what's, so forth. What's, what's driving a shell revolution? Is it geology, economics, or institutions? So uh, it's probably uh, all three of those ah. things, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms, of, uh, in terms of geology, actually geologists have known for a very long time uh, about that the shale, uh, uh, different kinds of shales, shale rocks, uh, contain natural gas. Uh, when people were drilling for conventional gas or oil, uh, when they passed through the shale layers, often they would get what they call a kick. They would see that there was uh, hydrocarbons in those, uh, those layers, and PhD dissertations in geology and so on were written on this many decades ago. Uh, and it was known that uh, if you, because these uh, shale deposits are so extensive that uh, it was known there was a lot of gas and oil in them, uh, but it was uh, believed that uh, it was too hard to exploit. That the, the, the rock is uh, very um, uh, impermeable, has high porosity. So we've got to distinguish two things. Porosity is uh, the pore spaces in the rock. So if you look at the microscopic level, shale has lots and lots of spaces in the, in the rock, and that's where all the oil and the gas is. But all those spaces are not connected. They're okay. disconnected. So the oil and gas can't flow from one pore to another. So it's very low, what's called very low permeability. So the high porosity means there's lots of oil and gas there, but the low permeability means you can't get it. Okay. Uh, so that, that was the geology. The economic factor was, uh, you know, early this uh, century, the United States, everyone thought was going to become the biggest importer of natural gas yeah, in the yeah, world. Of course, yeah. And so all these LNG import plants were built and so forth. Yeah and the United States actually had the highest gas prices. Yeah. So with those very high gas prices, it was very attractive for people to, to of course. Try, try to find mm -hmm. other resources. Mm -hmm. And so they knew about the shale. So um, there was a, a company in Texas um, named uh, Mitchell Energy. And actually, <laughs> I have sort of a personal interest in, in this because... Uh, <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> because my, my, uh, my, my chair at Rice University is actually the Mitchell chair. So. <laughs> 
So, in fact, um, my the chair that I occupy at Rice University was paid for by the money made from shale yeah, gas. Yeah. Anyway, uh, George Mitchell was a sort of a visionary in the oil industry. There are a lot of these kinds of people in Texas, the wildcatters. They have these very small companies. Uh, they go out on their own and uh, experiment. And uh, he uh, had the idea of, uh, um, well, two things. Um, doing sort of, well, main idea was using fracturing. Yeah, of course. So yeah. since uh, the first, um, so fracturing, I should say, let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. What you do is you uh, inject water under very high pressure yeah. into the rock, and the high pressure splits the rock. Yeah, yeah. And those fine cracks in the rock then become a, a pathway for the hydrocarbons yeah. to migrate. Easy to catch. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. so uh, the first such uh, frack, uh, that technology was first used in 1949, actually, mm -hmm. in the United mm -hmm. States, mm -hmm. um, in Oklahoma. And it was used in what they call tight, uh, tight sands. So sandstone. Okay. That's very. Uh, so it's not as impermeable as the shale, but it's much uh, less permeable than traditional uh, reservoir. So uh, people had known and had worked out that by fracturing the rock and so on, you can get the uh, oil and gas to flow through the cracks. So uh, his idea was to, uh, instead of just ignoring the shale, let's see if we can fracture the shale and get that to work. And uh, the big uh, idea he had too was to uh, use what's called a propant. So, you, 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 so as well as the water, you put sand, and yeah, the, um, yeah. the little grains of sand hold the cracks open. Yeah, yeah. Because it holds the cracks open, the the uh, you, you, there's a great opportunity for the oil and the gas to flow. I understand. Now, now that we know the basics, could you tell us in your mind, is this to happen somewhere else? Right. China, Europe, Latin right. America, or it will stay forever American and why? Yeah. Um, well, uh, we do think that uh, is likely to spread. Um, because uh, there are uh, lots and lots of shale deposits around the world, everywhere else where we found uh, hydrocarbons. Uh, lots of times, a lot of the times, shale is actually what's called the source rock. So the shale is actually very deep. A lot of these shales are very deep. It's where the uh, oil and the gas is, is uh, made from organic matter. And so all around the world where you find oil and gas, uh, you find these shales. So... <clears throat> And a lot of the geological properties of these shales are very similar to the ones in North America. And so we've been studying actually uh, how much it might cost to use American techniques elsewhere. So technically, yes. Uh, economically, yes. You could do it with these other um, shales. However, um, one point I was going to make, going back to Mr. Mitchell, he, he drilled 26 wells and got nothing. <laughs> Until the seven, 27th. not a lot, nothing out of This is a lot of money to spend, right? So you have to be very dedicated. And, uh, mm. So he's a very, you know, very entrepreneurial, like I said, a very mm. unusual guy. And a lot of other countries, you don't have such people. Mm. And every time you go to a new shale, yes, even though um, uh, these shales, uh, you know, we believe, uh, can produce oil and gas just like in the United States, uh, you do have to experiment. And you've got to figure out how to, uh, each time around, you've got to do a lot of experiments to figure yeah, out how to produce yeah, from yeah, them, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. So you need someone who's willing to do that. Understand. And, and so uh, a lot of the big companies aren't willing to do that. They've got shareholders who aren't willing to have, have them drill so many dry yeah, holes, get yeah. nothing. So you need these small entrepreneurial firms. Uh, they're not restricted to the North America. Okay. So, for example, in in Australia, which is another country I'm, I, I originally came from and have uh, also... Uh, 
academic appointments down there. Uh, in Australia, they're producing a lot of natural gas now from coal, from coal seams. Yeah. It's also unconventional. Yeah. Uh, but it's very interesting. It's the same kind of thing. It was very small companies that did all the experimentation, figured out how to do it, and, and got the production going, just like in North America. So okay. having these small entrepreneurial kind of firms seems to be important. Uh, you also, I think, need to have um, fairly open markets. So a big factor in the United States yeah, of course. was that you had these uh, a huge market, but also you had this extensive pipeline network, and you could buy capacity on the pipeline. There's a okay. market in capacity. And so if you're a small producer, you start producing, you can bid for the, for the capacity on the pipeline, and you can out outbid someone else. In a lot of other countries, you don't have a market in pipeline capacity. We make it very hard for a new producer yeah, yeah, to get going. So we, for example, looked at Poland. Poland has some very good shale uh, uh, deposits, very good perspective. But the big problem was that you want to get on the pipeline, it's owned by the Russians. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to give, you, they're going to give the po uh, Polish company space on the pipeline, opening up for competitors. So having some kind of access regime. So again, understand. in Australia, uh, okay. they have a pipeline access regime. So this, that's important. Um, like I said, having the, the, the liquid market's important. Um, having a very extensive geological knowledge. So the United States has had a huge amount of drilling, so we know a lot about the geology. A lot of other countries, we don't know nearly as much. So uh, you know, it's going to be more expensive to investigate uh, these deposits and so on, figure out how okay, to Okay, Peter. Them. Maybe a last question. We have very low price for oil, so mm. <laughs> also for shale oil. Is this able to damage or kill shale gas through shale oil depression? <laughs> so this is very, a very interesting question. So um, yeah, we've had a number of seminars I've been to uh, in Houston. We have a, a yeah. local chapter of the IAEE, which is very, very um, active. We have a lot of industry economists and so on. We've had a number of seminars on the costs of uh, shale oil in the United States. Um, and it turns out, I mean, uh, some of the prospective areas, um, uh, particularly the Eagleford Shale in Texas, uh, the Bucken Shale in North Dakota to some extent, the Marcellus in Pennsylvania, uh, a lot of them uh, have a quite a, a, a large amount of supply available at about $60 a barrel. Mm, yeah. As you fall below $60 a barrel, so a lot of these, some of these areas start dropping yeah. off. But... Um, We've been studying recently the last few months in response to this uh, oil price drop, and we're still seeing, so while we've seen a drop in the back and we've seen uh, a drop in some of the shales, in Eagleford Shale in Texas, it's still going ahead at current prices. So there's a lot of heterogeneity in the different shales, the different costs, and certainly uh, you could produce uh, a lot of gas uh, still at these current prices. Also what's happening is, this is a very new, still fairly new technology. So there's a lot of experimentation going on, a lot of new uh, ideas are coming up. Uh, people are talking about using technology so you can um, detect uh, where the sweet spots are in the shale as you're drilling. And then you only need fracture the sweet spots, you forget the rest. So that's going to be much higher productivity, lower costs. Uh, people are figuring out you put more horizontal wells yeah. on well, each vertical well yeah, yeah. that lowers your costs. Okay. You, you change the spacing, uh, mm. optimise the spacing. So there's a, so much technological change going on that's lowering costs. The other thing that we see happening uh, is that uh, as the industry uh, has started to contract a little bit in the United States, 
costs of inputs are falling. Yeah. So the cost of welders is going down, the cost of drilling crews is going down, the cost of renting a rig is going yeah. down. So the, so the actual cost, break-even cost is, is falling over time. And this yeah. is how markets work yeah. too, right? Fascinating. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can see that the shell gas story is far from being finished. We are only at the beginning of it. Many, many futures are possible. And you and me have been lucky hearing it from Peter Hartley. You, you've seen that Peter is literally shell gas professor in <laughs> Texas and also the president of the International Association for Energy Economics. And all of this is from the Latin America Conference of Energy Economists here in Medellin, Colombia. Again, thanks many, many thanks, Peter. Thank you very much for your interest.